0: yo what's up everybody it's time for the In off the bench podcast i am daniel ball the keeper of the peace and i'm joined as always by my co-hosts my partners in crime my brothers from other mothers jim cross and randy Jowers, and my dudes tonight is episode 19 titled hog wild in a few minutes we're going to be talking to brady tiger he is a 2021 university of arkansas baseball commit and one of Perfect Game's top-ranked baseball players in the country. So before we bring Brady on and, and dive into Perfect Game, dive into the University of Arkansas, dive into Lewisburg baseball, Jim, talk to me about the weekend, man. What did we do?
1: Man, there's really just two things going on. It was prep for school that started today. Shout out to all the faculty and staff getting that ready, the parents putting in the work to get their kids off to school. And with that, the other thing we did was we went back to church. And one of the things our church did was we actually went onto the grounds and uh, we specifically prayed for the teachers and the staff and the kids and the health and the safety and that everything would go smooth. So um, real good weekend, got everything kicked off this morning. And for now, normalcy is there.
0: Let me ask you this: One day down, um, how did it go? What, what's the what's the
1: atmosphere like in the school? You know, other than the fact that they did have to wear their masks all day, other than eating lunch, according to both kids, everything was the same. Um, my daughter surprisingly came back from the first day of high school real real worried. She said it was real Likes all her teachers, made some friends. Um, my son, he just likes being anywhere in public with people, so of course he came back with good feedback and. He has a Spider-Man mask, so, you know, he's A-OK.
0: Yeah, I, I'd be concerned he leaves the house with a Spider-Man mask and comes home with a Batman mask. <laughs> Dude's wheeling and dealing his mask to other kids, so just be on the, the lookout for that. Randy, how eventful was your weekend, man?
2: And we had a 90s-themed, you had to Google that, 90s-themed birthday party.
0: Let me uh, so tell you this, Brady. The pictures were on point. Like, Randy, <laughs> he, he, never, he never disappoints me, and it's unbelievable.
2: Look, shout out to my wife because she picked out my outfit. I didn't even know what I was wearing. I told her, listen, the only thing I'm doing Saturday is watching John Morant versus Dame Lillard. I didn't know it was going to be the CJ McCollum show, but we went to the party. It was great. And then today, much like Jim, first day of school, my two older kids in middle school, my youngest girl starts kindergarten tomorrow, so hopefully she's in bed right now. not, I'm going to go beat that ass. But uh, shout out to all the teachers and faculty. Indeed, I have a lot of friends that are administrators and teachers talking to them through this. It's like Jim said, it Put the parents put in the work, getting the back. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't do shit. Shout out to them. All I did was say, hey, have a good day. But I pulled up to school this morning to drop my two oldest off, and I was in line for 40 minutes just to get close enough where I felt comfortable letting them walk, which was still a ways away, but I ain't going to talk about that.
0: Man, was this 90s theme party, was there ever a thought for Haley to go as Miss Knight?
2: Shout out Miss Knight. The best Got thing – look, I wanted to go as a kindergartner, but the fact that, like, my wife was almost in kindergarten in the 90s, you know what I'm saying, I, I just felt a little too weird to me. But shout out Miss Knight. Man, shout
0: out to Randy Jowers, man, for – out kicking us coverage again and just like, <laughs> man, younger women, good for you, man. Good for you.
2: Shout, shout out. Hey, me and your wife are going back and forth this weekend. She was getting in me a little bit. We'll talk on our around the horn.
0: Okay. Okay. I can't, I can't wait to hear that. Um, for me, guys, I did a, a dinner with the Bullard Family Foundation, Thaddeus Bullard. Uh, he did an appreciation dinner for sponsors, donors, and uh, supporters. It was a nice event, socially distanced, wearing masks, free food, free drinks at a nice venue here in Tampa. Um, outside of that, watch my my daughter do gymnastics. That's my my everyday Saturday or every Saturday routine. It's it's awesome. She's getting better and better, and I can see she's stepping her game up. She's seeing what the other kids got, and she's she's just showing out. So. Fun to watch, you know, other than that, just preparing for the school year, trying to get work right. And, you know, I got some news for you guys on that here in a little bit. But, um, you know, it was a good weekend. Can't complain. Uh, but anyhow, we got a chance to watch some baseball, got a chance to watch some basketball. But more importantly, got a chance to prep for our biggest interview from what I hear, the biggest interview in podcasting this week. We're going to bring on the 2021 Arkansas Razorback baseball commit and one of the top players in high school through perfect game, Mr. Brady Tiger. Brady, my man, thank you for coming on. How you doing? Yes, yeah,
3: sir. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm doing great. How about y'all? We're good, man. We're good. Um, just trying to figure all this out. I think we are as close to normal as we've ever been now that sports are back and playoffs are, are, are running through. And. If college football could figure it out, I think we might be doing a, a lot better. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll shift it to you. Let's talk about you, man. I know you're a humble cat, and, but don't be humble tonight. Tonight's a, case, a chance to showcase yourself and tell everybody who you are and what you're about. But, you know, before we get to all the Lewisburg stuff and the perfect game stuff and how you ended up in, in the SEC, I want to talk to you about the journey, man, how, the, the come up. So tell me, when did you start playing ball?
3: Uh, I started playing T-ball when I was about three years old. I mean, if you count that. Of course I did. It. <laughs> but I've been playing ever since then. and I've just always been in love with the game.
0: So with that love, so you started at three, you know, were, were you always a stud? Like, were you the best player on the T-ball? Like, like I, I picture you, like, I, I see the videos, I see the frame, I see the mechanics, and I'm just like, this dude was a stud his whole life. Like, he's got the body, he's got it down. But I know, like, some guys are late bloomers, but, I mean, talk to me. Like, T-ball, then coach's pitch, then regular pitch. Like, were you the stud? And be honest now.
3: Um, honestly, no, I was, I mean, I I was pretty good, but I was never the best around until pretty recently. Um, I was pretty small up until freshman year of high school. So I think it worked to my advantage, though, because it really made me focus on learning proper mechanics and how to move properly and not just trying to hit balls over the fence or throw as hard as I can all the time.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to have something to chase for it's, it's nice to have a group of guys that are better than you and puts forth, you know, some work ethic in yourself and be self-motivated to get out there and be a competitor and, and, and honestly try to be the best. So I see a lot of that in you as, as you developed as over the videos and the, the things that I've seen on social media, um, so when did you notice that you had something special? Was it as a kid, you're like, oh, man, like I'm starting to get taller. I'm starting to get faster. I'm starting to throw harder. Or was it high school or was it something that you feel like maybe you're not as good as the other guys yet? Um, Well, I
3: didn't really start being kind of dominant until right around the end of freshman year, near playoffs, I went from all of a sudden one game I was average fastball velocity of like 82 and then up to 87 and then up from 87 from a uh, freshman year up to 95 now so I'd say it all started about the end of freshman year
0: so what was it did you just get bigger taller or was there coaches that worked mechanics with you and like really developed you
3: um, honestly, I think it was the atmosphere I was in, playoffs, I was scared to death. I was shaking on the mound, freshman. And I guess I just realized like, holy crap, I can I can do this and I've just been able to repeat it since then.
0: Yeah. So you gotta crap your pants once or twice before you realize that you can actually be at the highest level. So What about your family? You got a, you from a athletic family?
3: Yes, sir. My mom was a gymnast and a diver and my dad played soccer in college. He played baseball and football too, but he just decided to play soccer in college.
1: He played at Henderson in Arkansas.
3: It's a a smaller college, but he went there and became a pilot and my sister, she doesn't really play any sports. She used to play softball, but that was when she was little.
0: And then you got me. So who's the best athlete in your family? Mom, dad, your sister, or Brady?
3: Mm, I think me. But I think it's close between me and my dad.
0: So was was he a little, a little upset and a little taken back that you didn't play soccer? Uh, no, I think he –
3: He didn't really care what I play as long as he knew I would put all my effort into it and not just treat it as something to do on the weekends.
1: All right, Brady, so let's cross into enemy territory. And when I say enemy, it's because if you know anything about me, all my boys are D.C. boys. And so to talk to a Lewisburg guy, it's a little different for me. But nevertheless, I'm pretty excited about it. And for what it's worth, uh, they all had nothing but good things to say about you across the board. They said you are the real deal. Heard anything from you were raw to special to everything else in between. So let's talk about Lewisburg. Let's talk about your time there. How have you developed from freshman year to right now?
3: Um, it was pretty crazy. I've done just about a complete 360. Um, uh, freshman, going into freshman year, I was like 5'7", 130 pounds. And I was one of the smaller kids on our team. And then I hit a humongous growth spurt. And by the end, I was, I was about 5'11". And, uh, and I I've, I've gained a lot of improvement since then. Just, and I used to be very, very, very wild. I had no idea where the ball was going. So, I think that was my biggest improvement, honestly.
1: All right, and then you were talking about hitting the ball as well as pitching a minute ago. I know that you don't just pitch. What else do you do for Lewisburg? Where else do you play? And you say you hit, uh, how well do you hit? Um, I'm a pretty decent hitter. I think
3: my pitching is head and shoulders above my hitting, but. I think I'm a I'm a pretty solid high school hitter. Hit close to the middle of the lineup. Um, last year I played second for Lewisburg. And this year I think I'm going to play first or third.
1: Gotcha. So if you're not on the mound, you're usually in the game though? Yes, sir. All right. And so let me ask you, we're talking about improvement from freshman year to senior year. Last year with the season being cut short, um, did it set you back at all? Honestly,
3: no. I saw it as a chance to separate myself from the rest of the pack because I knew people were going to take that time off and make an excuse to not do anything. But I saw it as an opportunity to get in the weight room more and get stronger and get better.
1: Man, that's what I love to hear. That's what I tried to tell my daughter the whole time. She was like, you know, the club isn't practicing, the school isn't practicing, she wasn't really worried about it. And like like you said, I said, this is in time to gain on everybody else. So she did a little bit, probably not to the degree you did. Um, So what do you feel like you need to improve on the most coming into this next season? Definitely command. Uh, I think all my stuff
3: is there. But sometimes I'll have off nights where I'll walk a few people. But for the most part, I do throw a lot of strikes. I have good velo. I have good stuff. But I think I just need to really – focus on my command and get it absolutely perfect.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, so last question in regards to Lewisburg. And like I said, being that, you know, I still know a lot of the D.C. boys, I know Brock Tapper and them. What is the Lewisburg expectations in? Will y'all beat them? Uh, yeah, Lewisburg, um, we've
3: always been a really good baseball school. But I think the, the thing that separates us from a lot of schools Like, like D.C., they always just have a bunch of pure talent. And I think Lewisburg is known more for being scrappy. Scrappy yet talented. And when we're rolling, we're really, really hard to beat.
1: So, you all going to roll this year?
3: I'm going to roll over
1: D.C., that's for sure. That's what I wanted (laughs) to hear. There we go. We wanted the smack talk.
2: Brady, so you talk – obviously we know that you're an Arkansas commit, but when did colleges start pursuing you? How young were you? Uh, it was the
3: summer between – I think it was the summer – yeah, right before sophomore year.
1: So – Was
2: was it always Arkansas? What were your final, final three?
3: Um, well, I went to the Arkansas camp first, and I got offered there. And then I went to a Mississippi State camp and got offered there. And I went to an Ole Miss camp before – Arkansas camp, but I did I did not get offered there. But I think those
2: were my final three. Awesome high baseball talent. So let's tell us then you ended up coming to Arkansas. Why?
3: Um, I've my whole entire family has been Arkansas fans ever since I've been born. My my parents were both from Arkansas, grew up in Razorback families, and it just felt right. It felt like home.
2: So, you've been calling hogs your whole life? Yes, sir. So, at Arkansas, once you get there, is it you just going to be a pitcher? you Are going to play in the field? What are you thinking?
3: Uh, I think I'm just going to focus on being a pitcher.
2: I understand. I wish I – hey, I try to focus on things and ended up just being average at a lot of things. So, how about the draft, though? Is it possible that maybe you don't even go to Arkansas and you just go straight to the draft? Oh, yeah, for sure.
3: If I get the right opportunities, I think it's a real possibility.
2: The right opportunity, like, day one? Did you repeat that? I said, so the right opportunity being, like, round one, round two?
3: For sure. Just sit down
2: with your family, talk it out, mom, dad.
3: Yes, sir. Yeah, we've been, we've been starting to discuss all that, but. All I know is one day I want to play in the MLB, so if that happens sooner, I'm perfectly fine with that. It happens three years later, and that's fine too.
2: Absolutely. So you talked about your progression and the growth spurt and the size. Did you ever think eighth, ninth grade year that you'd be actually talking about that with your parents? Like, there's a possibility that I could get drafted.
3: Oh, absolutely not. I couldn't even believe it when I got my first offer. It didn't feel real. Like, I didn't think I was that dude. My coaches would tell me that that I was special, but I was like, no, they're just saying that to give me some encouragement or something. I didn't really think I I was all
2: that.
1: Now look at you. All right, so let's talk about the summer ball. You know, I don't know too much about all of it. I was watching a little bit of the Delta League, but I don't know much about perfect game. And let's say the audience, for the sake of the argument, does not. Tell us what perfect game is. Um, well, there are different, a bunch of different portions of Perfect Game. You're
3: going to have Perfect Game, like just the normal weekend tournaments, and then there are bigger tournaments like the World Wood Bath, But And then you have showcases, like invitational showcases, like the National Showcase that I, I attended. And they have smaller tournaments and really, really big tournaments that are attended to by every single scout you can imagine. And, like, the Fort Myers and Jupiter tournaments, the Jupiter is the the craziest tournament I've ever been to in my life.
1: Okay, Never so I didn't, happen, I didn't happen to look to see where it was being played, but I watched the clips that were on social media of you pitching. Where was that at for Perfect Game?
3: Um, I th- think that was at the Hoover Met.
1: Gotcha. For the
3: Perfect Game National.
1: Yeah, no, that was uh, that was good. You look solid, and the commentators did a good job of describing your progression um, that you've had for the last couple couple seasons. So, tell me about East Coast Pro as well. I mean, like I said, you know, I hate to sound like um, I'm needing a schooling on all this, but I I don't know, so I need you to inform me. Oh man, that was sick. That was uh,
3: a bunch of MLB scouts get together and they hand select teams. Uh, all over, all over the country, or from the East Coast, but all up and down the East Coast. And we get to wear the real official MLB jerseys. We get five or six scouts in the dugout at all times, and it's really a good, a great opportunity to get your name out there and connect with scouts. Get on there, get on their radar. Um is the coolest thing I've been to for sure
1: okay so i seen you see uh we're wearing the rockies uniform so you were actually getting to talk to Rockies personnel yes sir
3: That's there awesome. uh, yeah there were a couple different teams that were in that dugout
1: and then um so i mean i saw all the different uniforms for all the different teams did y'all did y'all get to play a bunch of games
3: yes sir we played four games how'd it we? go for Everybody. you um, I, I did okay. I struggled a little bit. I didn't, well, I actually had coronavirus three weeks before, so I wasn't allowed to go out and do nothing, but I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses, but my, my command wasn't there. Another I, mean, thing I want to talk if about. if you're going to have
1: one. an excuse, that's a good one. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: let, let's, let let's talk about that. So you actually had coronavirus. Yes, sir. So what, what does that do? I did you feel any effects? Were you did you feel tired? Were you sick? Were you asymptomatic? What, talk yeah,
3: us it, it affected me pretty hard. Uh, I was in the bed for three or four days, really sick. Um, I got a really bad headache and lower back ache on the first day, and then for three or four days straight, it just felt like I had the flu. And then after that, it just, my lungs were just really heavy, and I was just really tired. <clears throat>
0: Gotcha. So so for those people out there who think this is a hoax, you're here to to set the record straight that this this is a real deal virus and like it like puts you down. Even the best athletes, no matter what age, they, they can be affected, right? Oh, yeah. It's not very fun. I got you. So so how tall are you? Right now I'm about six to. Six-two. So you're a six-two second baseman that throws ninety-five. I just want to That's make sure I got right. that right. Okay. <laughs> so so you you probably have the the best velocity of a second baseman that I know in high school ever. And I think Randy was wanted to be a second baseman, but he definitely didn't throw ninety-five. So
2: well, let me tell you something, Brady. The guy that played second base for Bolton High School was not six-two. He
0: maybe five two though hey he's he's still bitter he you can tell randy's a little bitter about high school life especially on the diamond but you know well if you listen to the other podcasts, you can you can get an idea why but um you know i i'm curious as you you said you went to east coast pro and you have all these these scouts in the dugout um what is that conversation like talk me through it like like let's let's role play here you're you're a scout let's say you're for the rockies i'm brady like what did they say to you like what's that conversation like
3: um honestly it wasn't it wasn't that much different between me and my coaches now uh they they really sounded like they cared and they wanted to help and we were only there for four days, but you could tell they were trying to make us better within those four days. They did not want us to leave the same baseball player.
0: Gotcha. And that, that's, that's big. I mean, we're given insight to things that people are, have no clue about. I mean, even Jim, who I would say is probably a guy that I you know look too highly as very knowledgeable in sports. Like that's, that's an area where he doesn't know. So um, I, w- I would, I would, guess to say that most of the audience would like to know more about those conversations and, and what it's like being a high school kid and a professional scout coming to you saying, Hey, like, this is what you need to do. And like, just getting that level of coaching and that level of support. Um, that's, that's pretty, I that gets me fired up just talking about it. So I, I can only imagine what you guys must've felt being able to put the big league jerseys on, sit in the dugout uh, shoot the breeze with with those cats so you know shout out to you bro that's that's awesome stuff man like I, i'm super jealous like i i I can't even put it into words but um you know we talked about a lot and before we let you run we like to play a little game with all of our guests uh to end their their segments so you, you down to play a game
3: yes sir for sure all
0: right so this game's called this or that there's only two rules. You can't say both, and you can't say neither. You have to pick one. So I'll give you two options. You pick one. You got it. Pretty simple. Got it. If you can do this, and you're going to do very well in all of your classes this year, trust me, because this this is this is tough. All right. So if I'm you gonna can, need
1: that. you're gonna, what's that? I'm going to need that okay you know that Uh, hey that's one thing we didn't ask him Daniel what kind of student are you Brady we got to know
3: uh for the most part I make straight A's last year was a a bit rougher
0: but classes. what's the one class that you just can't stand algebra (laughs) algebra man me neither I I I used to love
3: math used to be so good at it now it's my least favorite thing to do
0: so on the flip side, what's what's the one class where you're like, yep, that's my that's my jam?
3: Uh, I'd say history.
0: History, you know why? You just add to it; it never changes. You just current yeah. and do your thing. That's no common core history. That's right. That's right. All right. So so back to our game. You just pick one of the two options. So if you had to get rid of one food forever, would it be tacos or pizza? Pizza. Man, you said that really quick like you must you, you're not a big pizza fan? Oh man. Not at all. You're missing out. You're, you're really missing out. Would you rather would you rather have fame or friends?
3: Friends for sure.
0: You hesitated. I feel like you really wanted to say fame, but you you went with the 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 smart like wise answer, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for
2: it. My friends are on here, and I'm still picking Fame.
1: <laughs> he lets us. He he lets us know about it too every day. Just just like last week, they said friends over money. I still think they're lying. Yeah. So, <laughs> all
0: right. Would you rather start Game Seven as a pitcher or close Game Seven out? Ooh.
3: Uh, I think I'd rather start start Game Seven.
0: What? are you do you close games now uh
3: most of the time i start but like if i started three days ago i can come in in relief if if i'm needed
0: so, i mean put a guy throwing 95 on the bump at the end of the game like give me a break like i'm i'm gonna just drop the bat and just watch three go by but um would you, would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? Fast forward to the future. All right. Would you rather call somebody or text? Mm-hmm.
3: Call somebody.
0: I like that answer. Most people your age do not say that anymore. And that's, that's re- refreshing, refreshing to know. All right, so if you were asking someone on a date, would you just slyly slide into those DMs, or would you want to meet them face-to-face and, and ask them out?
3: Uh, definitely meet them face-to-face. Try to get a
0: laugh. Gotcha. Hey, when when you look like those cats over there, like, you, you got to have humor. Um, That's understandable. Yeah, I mean, look at them, They're, that's, that's why it's a podcast and not a videocast. Because we, we could be hand models, but we couldn't be face models. But uh, so baseball movies, would you rather watch the Sandlot or Rookie of the Year? Sandlot. Why did you pick Sandlot? Just curious.
3: Um, well, I've seen it a million times, and uh, just about line for line. And I have the same dog as the
0: Sandlot dog. That's why I asked that question. That was uh, a question that I was told I had to ask you for that reason, just to see if you would throw out your dog. What's your dog's name? Sadie. Sadie. Shout out to Sadie getting a cameo in the big interview. So, in a best of three series, who would win? DeSoto Central or Lewisburg. Lewisburg. No 100%, hesitation. No hesitation. Hundred percent. Right. So when you when you share when you share your podcast, all your boys at Lewisburg, you you tell them that's what's up. Like, and I want you to play this little clip right before y'all step foot on the diamond against DeSoto Soto Central, because my money's on Lewisburg. You heard that here first. That's very smart of you. Hey, I got your back. I believe in you. So. Who is a bigger fan? Mom or dad? Ooh.
3: How can I answer that without hurting somebody's feelings? That's why
0: the tough you questions already are asked.
2: DC boys' feelings.
0: Yeah, you already hurt DC's feelings. So I mean let's let's just add to it. Mom or dad, come on. Can't be both, can't be neither. I... You can do some extra chores later on to make up make it up for them. I would say my mom. Believe it or not, that is the right answer. 100% the yeah. right answer. Why, why do you say your mom?
3: Every time I do anything, it can be small, not even just baseball. Like, she'd take a picture of me taking out the
0: garbage, and she'll post it on Instagram. So she's, She loves showing me off. She's big on social media, got a big presence. 100% hey man that's that's good shit that's that's the right answer if if mom is ever an option mom's always the right answer so anything you want to plug or promote uh yeah
3: my gym elp and my trainer john nelson he would do anything for his athletes and he definitely has our back man that's the most improvement i've ever seen from a gym anywhere
0: Gosh, gotcha, gosh! Gotcha. So, what, what, what is it about his gym, man? Other than the support, other than him bending over backwards, is, is is it the community of people? Is it the the push? Is is it the exercise and what you do? Like, what what makes him so so unique and so special?
3: Um, he is always, always, always looking for ways to make you better. No matter if it's in the weight room or just giving you a place to come talk to them and just get stuff off your mind. It's, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced and the results speak for themselves. They're pretty crazy.
0: Gotcha, man. So, you know, before, before we get off here, man, how, how do we, how do we stay up to date with Brady? How do we follow you? I mean, I know you mentioned mom and social media and she's putting you out there like crazy, but, um, with the exception of that, like how how do we stay in touch with, with Brady? Um, I would say follow my Instagram. Okay. You got your perfect game stuff up there. You put your Lewisburg stuff up there. Yes, sir. All right, good deal. Hey man, we're gonna we're gonna let you run. I I appreciate the time. We appreciate the time. We can't wait to hear more about the journey, hopefully. You guys take down the, the D.C. Express. Uh, I would love nothing more than to bring you on. And so I can just, just say that I told everybody first that that was going to happen. But also, man, like we, we want to touch base with you before you start this college prep and, and get into your brain a little bit about what it's like to, to step on the diamond as an SEC pitcher. And, you know, who knows, maybe maybe get some intel on, on the draft status. But, um you know, for Jim and Randy, dude, we, we appreciate you. We wish you all the best, man. So we can let you out so you can go get that homework done, man. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Have a good one, man. Yes, sir. You too. That's Brady Tiger, the 2021 commit for the University of Arkansas Razorbacks and one of the best players in the country, according to Perfect Game. Guys, that's – what a humble cat, man. Jim, He's he's a dude that is – very seems very mellow, very low-key, and just like, you know, a good good team guy.
1: Yeah, too bad they're gonna, you know what? I don't even know most of the DC players now because they've all graduated, but they're they're taking L's. You say that, like I, I'm telling you right now, he said the
0: one thing that like really like sits well with me is that they're scrappy and hard to beat like they're not a team that people want to play and i, like, I that. like that and you know what else that dude throws 95 so i ain't worried i ain't scared well At all.
1: we'll see because you know you know what they say and randy knows this as well as anyone because he drafted rick flair to be the man you got to beat the man
0: that's true. There's a lot to be said about that. Um, we're going to dive into some headlines, and we're going to start with NBA. And, you know, I originally wanted to talk Grizz first, but since we're talking about the man, we're going to start with you, Jim. Your man, Westbrook, out. Um, what's what's the status on him?
1: Man, it is game to game. I actually am very surprised. You know, we were in our group text as usual and I couldn't believe the positivity coming from my man Randy. Usually he's got nothing but negativity. I'm, in, I'm sitting here having doubt in the Rockets. I explained to you that the whole idea with Westbrook and small ball is you put the pressure on the center. You make the big come out. He, he can either blow by you or he can penetrate and kick. And so without him, I find that to be a problem. I feel like Adams is going to dominate them. And then Randy's gonna sit there and be like, I got the Rockets. And I'm like, this is the same dude who would bet against the Rockets. Maybe it's because Westbrook isn't playing. Ding, I don't know. ding, 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 <laughs> ding. But honestly, I mean, this series can go either way. I think Harden, for the obvious, is gonna have to be phenomenal. Um, I think he pointed out the X Factor and Macklemore. And then can Eric Gordon stay healthy? But right now, all signs say they hope, and hope being a you know, big word there game three for old Russell Westbrook.
2: Are so we going to have to start questioning Russell Westbrook's durability at this point?
1: Yes, and it's because of uh, a guy named Patrick Beverly. Because do you remember, hey, no, seriously, do you remember this, Randy? You watched basketball, especially back then as much as I did before you had so many damn kids. They used to talk about all the time, Westbrook's never been hurt. Remember, he never missed a game in high school. He never missed a game in college. He didn't miss a game in his first, like, four seasons. And then he got that injury, and it's been rough ever since. Yeah,
2: tough. it's tough. And a guy that counts on his explosivity to, to do his thing, he got to have healthy knees.
1: And, w- and wouldn't you say is a, a Jaw guy, obviously they're not the same, but we're talking about the the athleticism and explosiveness. Isn't that the same reason why you cringe every time he goes up the way he does? Because you know that it takes coming down wrong one time for it to be a major setback for the rest of his career?
2: Well, one thing about Jaw that makes me nervous is he always comes down on one leg. He doesn't come down on two like you see a lot of – like Westbrook usually or Vince Carter. He always comes down on one leg, and that makes me nervous.
0: So – with Westbrook, is he turning into a Scotty Pippen?
1: He ain't long, bro. <laughs> long. No, uh, longer than us, yeah, dog, for, sure. uh, for sure. Man, I don't know. I'm just, I really was excited to see what they could possibly do. You know, I kept it real and said I think that they could make it to the Western Commerce Finals. I never said they were going to win a championship, but specifically saying that they get past this round and the Lakers get past theirs. I really wanted to see how they could do in a showdown with the Lakers. So, I hope he gets back to health and that the team can can start to gel. Um, as much as people are all about the Blazers, I'd like to see the Lakers advance, and I really want to see that second-round matchup.
0: Well, I mean, according to most, the Lakers got to make it there because they're – I don't have any – I don't have any, like – My thought isn't that the Lakers are going to lose, you know, the first round, but they are running into a team right now that is playing very well and they're scoring a shit ton of points and dudes are not afraid of anything. So, um, but how many years are people going to
1: take the how many years are people going to take the bait though? LeBron, you know, the Lakers are just kind of, you know, taking a step back going into the playoffs he always does that and then everybody always takes the bait i never i never said it on purpose yeah i never said they were taking a step back
0: what i did say was that they were running into a buzzsaw right now and that's way different than taking a step back because i mean the grizz i mean randy you could tell like they they threw everything they had at those dudes the first game in the bubble and this last game and Still couldn't beat them. Um, but w- with that, Randy, talk to me about the Grizz and tell me tell me about the season. And then let's get on to the fact that they lost to the Blazers and how good the Blazers really are.
2: I mean, the biggest takeaway, I know in the moment everybody gets upset, you know, that technically not making the playoffs. But I think that if you really take back, look at it holistically, this team is so far ahead of where they should be. Uh, They were probably picked either to finish last or next to last in the Western Conference, and to be there at the end and have a chance after having they struggled in the bubble. But you know, I think all it was a learning curve. Uh, One thing you didn't hear Mike Breen and Mark Jackson talk about enough, in my opinion, was the fact that they were missing J Triple J. They were missing Tyus Jones. I mean, you're you're missing some guys, dude. Triple J to anybody that's been listening to me talk, he is as important to that team as John Moran as anybody else. So I think that when you think about all those guys coming back next year, because more than likely the Celtics are going to get their pick unless it's in the top four, which I mean, how cool would that be? Kind of a down draft. So really sets up perfect. I'm, 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 I'm better at giving it up this next draft than I would be any other draft, I think. So the Blazers are really, really good. i talked about it in our group chat. The difference between the Portland Trail Blazers and the Memphis Grizzlies, a couple things. Number one, experience. Dame and CJ have been there. Um, you know, they were playing for Nurkic's, you know, his grandmother. So that's a whole other emotional thing. And you know, how good is that dude? Like the dude is just raw. Him and Valentinus were going at it. Shout out to my man, big, big Val, Cause he was doing work and you know, shout out the Grizzlies did their thing. They hit shots. Brandon Clark, not a three point threat, did his thing. Uh, you know, something that really stood out to me looking at the stats after the game, me and Jim talk about it a lot. The plus minus being a flawed stat, Brandon Clark, was negative 27. There's no way you can tell me that he was – that that team was not better when he was on the court. There's no way. Uh, the eye test tells me Anthony Tolliver was plus 21. Get the fuck out of here. No, come on. Like, so that's – you know, but I think that you think about that young core coming back next year, giving it are healthy, plus you got to throw in Justice Winslow, plus you throw in some veterans. I mean, I'm excited about the Grizzlies' future,
0: man. Let me Let me ask you this, and this came up on the radio today. It's not a guarantee that the Grizzlies will be in the playoffs next year.
2: Oh, absolutely agree. The West is absolutely stacked. Jim and I have talked about it as well. If you think about it, you automatically assume the Warriors are going to be back because Steph and, and Clay, I mean, Draymond, and, you know, now they, that team is stacked. They're going to be back. Uh, you know, Phoenix is on the rise. They're, they're so There's so much talent in the West that I think now in the in the midst of the corona is the time for the Grizzlies to secede and go to the Eastern Conference.
1: I think they need to go to 16 teams like they proposed. The top 16 get in because give me 8, 9, and 10 in the West over 6, 7, and 8 all day in the East.
0: So, Jim, with the Grizzlies, I mean, we've joked in the past about the Eastern Conference and teams with losing records being in the playoffs. And essentially – for what it's worth the Grizzlies were in a playoff game uh were in a playoff game being the play-in game and they had a losing record like is that the same level that we're talking about or the Grizzlies something different with a losing record
1: well I think there's something different because specifically we're talking about how deep the west is they play more games against those teams so naturally they're gonna beat up on each other you're gonna take more losses it's you know, it's no different than playing in the SEC in football. So, I mean, yeah, you're gonna take more else when you're when you're playing those teams. I think the Grizzlies. Randy brought up the eye test. When I watch them versus, you know, the Magic, for instance, as the eight in the East. I mean, there is a a major difference. There's a big time gap. And also, you know, uh, talking about that one game. Fun fact I learned on the radio today. It's actually not fun. I hate it. Those stats do not count, so Ja does not actually have a new career high in a game.
2: Yeah, Mike Breen brought that up the other day. So, yeah. So, really, CJ McCollum, all your fourth quarter points and you saying Ja can't fucking hold you, that shit don't even count, bro. Yeah,
1: Never is- happened.
0: So, with that, who, Jim, in your opinion, who is on upset alert? Who needs to play solid and not let their guard down?
1: Hmm. I mean, if I had to pick somebody, I would have said, you know, I actually would have said Denver, and they did go to overtime, so I kind of got a cheat by by knowing that already. But that would have been my pick from those teams in the West because I don't like the idea of people saying Houston's on upset alert because they had a tied record with Oklahoma City and actually got swept by them this year. They only hold the four because – they were in a three-way tie with the jazz and they have the three-way tiebreaker, So that's not an upset, really the thunder of the favorite. So um, I don't think the Clippers have anything to worry about with Dallas. And regardless of what anybody says about Portland, I don't think they're going to mess with the Lakers.
0: So I'll just give you a little, there are nine seconds left to go in the first half. The Mavericks are up 69 to 65. Mm-hmm. So. 66 then, now. Oh, 66. So, I mean, we're, we're,
1: tracking live as we go guys and hey i i want i want to bring up some i need to get hassle time on the the radio right now because let's talk about the x factor of that game dude i don't care i'm gonna say it on here you can say that i always send you daniel ref, those reps were trash bro absolute trash i mean
0: we're you're right but there were times in the game where they were trash for both
1: sides. No, but, but there's – you want to know what call bothers me the most, and I know if I bring this up, well, Randy –
0: the technical call that McCall no, no, didn't, no. didn't get that no, he should have
1: got. No, I want to – the and one on BC that wasn't called. Ridiculous. My God.
2: The guy got smacked.
1: Wow. Well,
0: I can't – I I can't say that the referee – like hose them. But I mean, it was not very, I mean, every game that we saw, I feel like the referees weren't that great. And I don't know if it's the replacement refs that are in for the bubble or what the deal is or the layoff. They just, they f- forgot, but there's a lot of whistles being blown, a lot of free throws being shot and a lot of give me's like, well, not in that fourth the guys quarter. Play. The, well, the, that's the, Grizzlies that's didn't the shoot until the
1: 43 seconds left.
0: But, but that's the thing. Like you have all these free throws in the first half. And then like the same shit that was fouls in quarter one wasn't in quarter two. And then in quarter three, all of a sudden there's no fouls. So like, there's a lot of inconsistency inconsistency. And that's a, in a lot of the games, not just the ones that our team's playing in.
2: I will say this though. And and I know that he's a very uh, polarizing player referees. Honest to God, seem to hate Grayson Allen. He does not get the benefit of the doubt on any call. He had 100% all ball. Not only does he get a foul call, and then he gets a tech, And you can read his lips. He was not cursing. And he was looking away from the referee, walking away from the rep. I get it. People hate the dude. People hate Grayson Allen. But come on, man. That's why I love David Fisdell forever in my heart because they're not going to rook us. The young team did not get the benefit of the whistle like Damon C.J. did. And to Damon C.J., those guys are always in the ref's ears saying, watch for this. Jaw's not doing that yet. Now, I can't stand when they're constantly doing a CP3 and going to the refs, but there's something to be said, and this isn't just the players. Taylor Jenkins does not do that. Our boy Penny Hardaway does not do that. And referees, fair or unfair, they're human beings. They're going to react to what
0: they hear. What does Coach Kyle do?
2: Gets in that ass.
0: As, what does Rick Barnes do? Well, he definitely gives them the business for sure. Any he recruits. <laughs> <laughs> Hey-oh! Hey, we'll, we'll get to that, you know. Uh, and after, after today, I, I'm, uh, we'll just say that that's to be, be conversed about here in a little bit. Um, but, Randy, any, any upsets first round that we need to watch out for?
2: You know, I honestly think it's going to be all chalk. I hate – you know, I told you all in the beginning the Sixers sucked and, you know, they kind of, like, played better than I thought they would today. So, I was like, oh, man, are we going to go on here and say they're going to win this game? But um, the chemistry is just not there. So, that would have – you know, the Celtics are playing well. I thought that the one thing everybody wants to pick is the Blazers. That's ridiculous to me. I understand you got Dame and CJ and this team's hot. Bro, you got LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They are the two best people. At, maybe not LeBron anymore, but they're two of the best people at their positions. And they're two way players. If you put LeBron James in limited minutes in the fourth quarter, put that dude on Dame or CJ, they're not, they're not doing what they've been doing. It's not happening.
1: Oh, which, yeah, by sure. the way, hey, by the way, they talked about it on the radio today. Should Melton have been in the game on CJ?
0: Yeah, yes. So, let me ask you this: So, it if there was if the Lakers were to get upset, would would that be a surprise?
2: Yeah, I think it is because, and it just is going to further LeBron everybody hating on LeBron that he's that he sucks and he's not one of the greatest and all that other bullshit. But, like, you know, Jim kind of said it earlier, we keep biting on it. I mean, how long are we going to say Dame's one of the greatest when dude don't make it to the finals?
1: I mean, dude.
2: And I love Dame.
1: Hey, I know this. If they do upset the Lakers and the Rockets do win, I'm going to be not in a good spot because I cannot have that man <laughs> waving me bye-bye again.
0: So, moving on to baseball. Our Cardinals, Randy, are back in action Talk to me a little bit about them. They seem to be starting off, you know, pretty good. You know,
2: it was just such a great thing to see him playing baseball again, although we ain't seen our boy Yada yet. Everything will be right when he gets on there. But, yeah, came out hot, took two out of three, took one from the Cubs. That counts for two wins. Had a no-no going up until a few minutes ago. I feel like we jinxed them by even talking about them. Not only did they lose the no-no, now they're losing five to four. Uh, in the top of the seventh, but just happy that they're back. They look good. They look young. Getting some young players some talent, uh, some playing time is always good. Paul DeYoung playing under the alias of Schrock, that's always a good thing. So (laughs) I'm excited that they're back, man, and I can't wait to see my boy Flaherty, and I can't wait to see fans in the stands, man. If I got to see more games where there's nobody – like today, there was Dexter Fowler hit a home run, and it was just sad-ass times watching that ball land there, and then no little kids running after it.
0: I know, right? Like, I want to see some kids fighting over the ball. So, Jim, when you look at the standings from top to bottom, I mean, you're looking at in the American League, you're looking at the Yankees, you're looking at the Twins, you're looking at the A's. I mean, not really any surprises. Um, I mean, what – what can we look forward to a lot of the same, or is there some teams that are in there that are like middle of the pack, like the sox, the white sox eleven and eleven, the Orioles, twelve and ten anybody that that has a chance to to run off some games?
1: Yeah, I actually looked up the last ten for all the teams first to start with the team that we actually were predicting beforehand, had a slow start. The Rays are eight and two, they yep. are the hottest team in baseball right now. Um, you mentioned the Orioles, they're seven and three. The Indians, as you mentioned, seven and three. The A's are shocking because it went against all the research that I did when we did that episode and we did our projections. The A's have always started slow, not this year. They're eight and two along with the Rays in the last ten. Dodgers have rounded out in the form. They're seven and three. The surprise team has got to be the team that caught COVID first, right? The Marlins are sitting in nine and six. They're still winning games. I don't even know who's on their roster
0: well and and that whole east national League East is just it the it just looks ugly the Marlins at nine and six, then the Braves at thirteen and ten, the Phillies at eight and nine, the Nationals at eight and eleven, and the Mets at nine and fourteen like that is some ugly, ugly stuff um it's clear that nobody wants to win the National League East, so I would say. As we move forward, I think that's the, the side of the division that has a lot of improvement that you could actually see a team like the Mets um, or the Phillies jump up in there and run off five or six, you know, in a row and be right there in first place, you know, and in yeah. a good spot.
1: No doubt. I think the thing that's probably got to make you most excited based upon our talks last year and to start this year, if the A's and the Rays do stay the course, we're talking about two teams – that were in the wild card last year who could be division winners and you could really see how they went from last year to this year and just continued the trend that they were on. I mean it it helps when the Yankees best players
0: aren't playing. I will say that. But the Rays are, are playing fundamental baseball. They're they're you know getting you know extra base hits or putting guys in motion. They're they're doing the little things right. But the big thing that they're doing better now than what they were is they're just flat out pitching it i mean from top to bottom you know from starters to mid relievers to closers are doing what they got to do so um it's exciting to watch the rays play well i will say that and I, i hope you know the next you know 40 games um 35 40 games that they have left they can they can continue that trend um just looking more through the national league the cubs are right there i mean i don't I don't know if any of us had predicted the Cubs to be up there, um, but the Cardinals are sitting at five and four. Like, they have all these doubleheaders, Randy, lined up. Is, is that a benefit or a detriment? Well, you
2: know, I don't think it's a benefit necessarily because they're kind of like the people in the key positions are kind of old. I mean, the people that we know, I mean, the you know, the Paul DeYoung lookalike. I mean, there's the young guys, you know, Brad Miller coming in and playing a little bit. But, like, Yachty, he's old. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I think that they got the veteran leadership. If these young guys do, like O'Neal and Edmund and all of them, if they can keep it together, it's just a short stretch. We're talking, you know, 55 – well, yeah, 50-55 games left. It's a short stretch in the grand scheme of things, so – that's gonna be tough man I don't know I don't feel great about it
0: yeah i mean it's it'll wear on you at some point, and whether it's now or later it's it's really a, you, the season's so short you can't fall too far behind now, and the season's so short that you got to play your best baseball at all times so um it'll be interesting to see, but as we move forward into you know our headlines, we've got to bring up. the the National Hockey League Jim and you you texted this first and you were I think you were pretty adamant about where you where you stood and then I think I brought to light some information about Tuca Rask uh, the goalie for the Bruins deciding to you know opt out really just minutes and hours before they step foot on the or step foot on the ice for a playoff game so how you feeling about Tuca now Jim?
1: Okay, as far as his decision, now that, like you said, I got details, um, and I'll get in those in a second. I actually, I understand it. My issue was doing it a few hours before the game. I don't play hockey. I don't know hockey very well, but from what I understand, the goalie is your guy, right? He, He is the guy that you depend on, and for him specifically, I hear he is one of the best guys and somebody who's been solid as a rock. So, mentally what it does to your team when you just bounce yards before i imagine it's got to be tough on them now i will say that they ended up winning that game so um all ended up well but i just i would at least played out the game and then you know and then talk to the team and let them know as opposed to just rolling out but the research shows that you know he's got a wife and three daughters but specifically you know he's got one that was born in april And we're all fathers. And I remember, Daniel, specifically with you, you know, my son was three weeks old when we left to go to Chicago. And I felt kind of sick just in the car leaving him. And so – and that was just for a couple of days. These guys are leaving for a long duration. So I would be, you know, lying if I said I didn't 100% get it and respect it and could argue that I'd maybe even do the same thing after I've been – you know, in those shoes just for a couple of days. Yeah,
0: I mean and what's good about this situation is that the Bruins brought in their second string goaltender Halleck and he's doing well. Like he had a good first game. I mean currently they're beating the Hurricanes four to two right now. If they win tonight, they'll be up three games to one in in cruise control. So um, it may not make a difference now, um, maybe over a long period uh, or stretch of playoff games that might hinder them. But um, right now they seem to be rocking and rolling. But, Randy, you guys are newfound fans of the St. Louis Blues, and they're down two games to one with a chance to tie the series tonight. Um, they're taking on the Canucks. So, I mean – what do, you, what do you think? You got them winning or losing tonight?
2: Of course they're going to win. Listen, history's not on our side here.
0: Because in
2: the NHL, only 13.6% of teams that have been down 2-0 come back to win the series. But how's about this? The other, You know, they in game two, they're down 3-1. They only got like six minutes to go. End up tying the game with 6.4 seconds. So it's one of them age-old adage, right? They used up all their energy. On the comeback, dude breaks free, beats the goalie, breaks my heart. You know, shout out to St. Louis though 13.6. So, you're telling me, in the words of Jim Carrey,
0: there's still a chance. There is, there's still a chance. I mean, this time tomorrow, we might be be texting each other about a 2 2 series and like the Blues making their push for Stanley Cup greatness. Hey, I know there's, I'm looking at,
1: yeah, hey, I'm looking at scores, guys. I don't know much about hockey. I know that seven goals is a lot, and that's what Colorado put up today.
0: Yeah, they they beat the Coyotes seven to one, um, and then kind of rounding out hockey for us, the Lightning. My my hometown team is cruising. They're up three games to one. They picked up a. Do two fans go bigger. to those
2: games normally? Oh, they're,
1: they're packed. It's, yeah, so, hey, so it's not the like best, the Rays. Best ticket in town. Yeah. Yeah. Randy, Randy Daniel had already told me that, and my buddy Nick, who lives down there, he absolutely said the same thing so if we're going to go down there and see Daniel and do a sporting event it's it probably shouldn't even be the Bucks or the Rays we should go see hockey oh no well, if we y'all definitely, down
0: here during NFL and, and Tom Brady's playing we go on there
2: <laughs> we should definitely do it at the Rays because nobody else is there
1: oh that would be an easy ticket that those if are we, fun games I mean if, uh, if we go to the Rays Randy's gonna get starstruck he's gonna be staring at Tom Brady all game Oh man, I'm I'm not the hug him, man. Gronk,
2: Mike Evans is quickly becoming a fan
0: favorite. Hey. As we 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 talk NFL, let's let's make our way into it. So, Jim, yeah, I, I know that you were kind of you had some some negative reaction to these tight ends with these big deals you got Kittle and Kelsey signing big deals what what's what's
1: the deal with that you're not not a big fan when it's those two guys I feel like there was actually this question asked out there and I feel like if you know anything really about football you'll agree with the statement I'm gonna make it is those two guys and Ertz and that is a whole tier that the second tier is nowhere near they fall into a different category because they're just as valuable as any top wide receiver period
0: so Randy, your Colts. I saw some some footage of your boy Philip Rivers in some like mean mean shape. Like I don't know what he was doing. I guess chasing 22 kids around all day, but like dude is in shape. Like he's ready to go. Like is 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 he the answer?
2: He's the best answer we got. So listen. I'm gonna tell you right now, Philip Rivers he looked around. He looks over there. He sees Tom Brady at 43, and he's like, damn, I'm only 39, bro. I can still do this. And think about it. Everybody keeps – not the NFL, you know, the insiders, but the dude's going from having one of the worst offensive lines in the league to one of the best offensive lines in the league. So, you're having Quentin Nelson having your back over there, the meanest bitch in the land, and I think that your chances go up. So, he got in shape, but he didn't have to run around a lot because, let's be honest, he, he can't run. So
0: today I got some 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 hurting news. Gerald McCoy's out for the season. He had a leg injury at practice for the Cowboys, and um, given the fact that that we we're trying to better that defensive line, like that that hurts. But hopefully we have uh, next man up mentality, and you know the next guy up can can do some damage. Um. Because what has to happen for the Cowboys is they gotta allow the linebacking core a break, meaning they they gotta have a front line that's gonna get pressure and push people outside and and just slow things down. Because I mean, Sean Lee is probably one concussion or one trip away from just being done. Like they're not gonna let him back on the field. So. Uh, and I like him, but I'm, this injury has me a little concerned um, more. So I don't want the offense to have to do more than what they need to do. I need the defense to step up and be good. Um, we got Bruce Arians praising Tom Brady for throwing dimes, just 60 yard dimes. So I, I'm, I'm excited guys. I, if I, I wish I hope there can be fans at these games because I, I want to go check the Bucks out, no doubt. Uh and the last thing we got the Ravens. They're hosting Des Bryant. Jim, you and I have I mean, I have more experience with Des Bryant as he actually su- suited up and played, but you almost had some experience with Des Bryant. But tell me, is he worth
1: the pursuit for the Ravens? I think so. I mean I was really surprised by his character just in the short time he's with the saints and the way that they all talked about his work ethic. And so we know his physical skill set. And if he's going to come in there with the right attitude um, and the right mentality and right work ethic and get along with all the guys, then absolutely. I mean, you know, the second, third, and even sometimes the fourth wide receiver out on the field have become such a valuable thing. And so if you got a guy, let's say he's, you know, the third guy and he, you know, the other guys are being locked down, he could be the guy who is the difference maker in a game.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think he athletically and he's got the gifts and the talents to to do some damage. So I mean, I think any team would be crazy not to at least give him a shot. I mean, I don't know how productive he could possibly be, but I mean he's got the tools to be productive and maybe in the right system he he might he might thrive. So Randy, it's we're getting close to that time where fantasy football starts flaring up like and it, it had me thinking is anybody even excited for fantasy football cuz I like I'm not hearing a lot of buzz to be honest with you this time last year like there was like you know pre-rankings and like smack talk and like just I was in three different leagues one league um, is not going to do anything this year the other league is not saying anything and then the third league it's very minimal but I mean are you excited for fantasy football
2: mm, you know I'm not near as big of a fantasy player as you guys are but I think that everybody's just they're just cautious because you know, now the NFL comes out today with their limited capacity and fans, and it's just getting more and more and more realistic that we we won't see it. I mean, we already at this point last year and forever and ever we would have already seen some meaningless stuff. You know, Hall of Fame game, and and all we're seeing is dudes just you know kind of getting out there on the field and working out. But I, I don't know, man. I'm I don't have a I got a worse feeling about the NFL playing than I do about the Cardinals.
0: Wow. Jim, I mean, I know you're, you're fantasy, you're pro fantasy, everything. So there's the one league that you and I are in, there's been zero chatter about it. And I would say at this time last year, I would easily go to bed and wake up to 8,006 text messages from that thread. So I've had zero. What What is going on with Fantasy League? Like, where's the excitement? Where's the buzz?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been extremely quiet. I will say this, so Randy might get excited. I listened to Fantasy on sports radio, was it like early Sunday morning, and they were just raving about Jonathan Taylor talking about, you know, everybody's talking about Marlon Mack. He's going to take his spot, they said. He's behind that offensive line. Phillip Rivers is on the older side. They said expect him to tote the rock and expect him to tote the rock well, and he was – He was going to be the steal. Do not wait to get him. They were like, do not get him later than the third round. So, I got a little excitement just listening to the show. But outside of that, no, I have not heard any talk. And just a fact, you know, with our three teams, while we're talking about Phillip Rivers and age, does it hurt any three teams more and three players specifically than us three if NFL doesn't happen this year because all our quarterbacks are over 40? I mean, with the
0: exception of Dak Prescott, yes, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, and Drew Brees are. I mean, I, I mean, are 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 they on their way out? Like, let's be be realistic. I mean, Tom Brady's never on his way out. I feel like as long as they can throw a football and they're healthy, there's always a a, a
1: chance that they're going to play. But their goal, their goal specifically, you know, with the change Brady made, and obviously Brees has had the roster. Those guys are trying to win and walk out like Peyton Manny did.
0: Oh, I mean, there's there's no doubt in my mind that the moves that the Bucks have made are to win right now, and not just to make the playoffs, but to win it all. Um, but uh, you're right the the um, the time is very limited, and the window of opportunity to do that is closing quickly. And without them playing this season, does that mean that? gives them an extra year because they don't put the wear and tear on the body or does that just
1: prolong or push forward and close that window even faster my question would be for our financial guru and contract guy randy if they don't play this year does everything push over to the next year as far as not only just getting paid but like if they only have one year left on their contract is it is it over after this year regardless or does it push back do you know
2: so they talked about that a little bit when they talked about giving the stipend, which I think is absolutely fucking ridiculous to give them a stipend, but, um, you know, I don't, they haven't figured the contract part out yet. I mean, to technically, legally speaking, it's a legally binding contract that runs year to year. So, I, I mean, if you're asking me from an agent's perspective, I guarantee you that there, there are going to be a lot of litigation about that, especially these ones that are tied to sign a bonus. Think about that. Um, you know, our boy, the 76ers, uh, his name's Embiid his name. Embiid you know he wasn't going to get it regardless it his it was tied to a certain number and he wasn't going to get that number until the season re-upped and then all of a sudden bam now he's getting the kicker so I think those are year-to-year contracts
0: so does that is their potential not this year but next year being holdouts and being litigation and people not playing because of their their ongoing dispute with this contract oh
2: I yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's that's coming regardless. The NFL's got a, a, a big problem on its hands anyway from, you know, player safety and I think that – plus now you're going to see for the first time in, in our lifetimes the revenue drop and the NFL is going to be something they've never felt. They've been king forever. And while they'll still be king as far as the money goes, I mean, you're talking about going billions and billions to just billion.
0: So, I, <laughs> I, I, I was – looking at the the bottom the bottom ticker tonight and it said that Juju was not going to hold out he was going to play his last year that rookie contract but he's one that comes to mind like what happens with him if he doesn't get a chance to have production on the field this year do they low low ball him next year or do they hold him to another year of that rookie contract
2: Nah, I think he'll get paid. A guy like that, he's he's proven himself. I mean, I don't think as many, maybe as many teams won't do it, but a guy like that's getting paid.
0: So speaking of proving himself, Jim, you had a chance to go to Hooters this weekend. There were no strippers. strippers. I was, I was, I was told that <laughs> out the out the gate. But you got a chance to watch the fight. Um, you know, Cormier. You know, and Miocic. They they brought it like that was from all accounts of just a heavyweight slugfest and Stipe ended up taking it down. But from your vantage point, you watched it go down. Like, was it a good fight? Was it
1: entertaining? What did I miss out on by not watching it? You know, it was a good fight in the sense of there, there was brawling going on. Cormier never looked like he was going to win though. The only hope was it was kind of, since you're a big uh, Rocky movie guy, it was kind of like, you know, him getting beaten on and you were just waiting for his time where he was going to just land the right punch and just take over, and that's what you were kind of hoping for. I mean, he definitely held his own because he took a lot of hits and he was still – I mean, he was still delivering, um, you know, throughout the match, but it just it just never felt like he was ever going to win. And that, that would be the only flaw I saw in it. But, you know, nonetheless, I felt like it was a decent fight. If you're, if you're considering the last couple main events where the – fight was just so bad it was I couldn't believe that I even sat there and watched it
0: I mean Stipe shows up for big time fights he's a a champion and he did what champions do he defended it and won it and you know he I think he brought the attack to Cormier and Cormier either had to find outlast it or find a spot and, and deliver the boom but you know obviously that didn't happen and now we're, we're on the verge of maybe setting up a, 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 mega fight. And that's if John Jones can, can figure out a way to keep himself out of trouble. But Randy does, does a John Jones steep eight fight? Does that draw big time viewers and big time money? Is that considered a mega fight?
2: Anytime John Jones is involved, it's a mega fight. The dude is a must see in the octagon. I love him or hate him. And that's, you know, I love him. Uh, as a fighter, I, I don't agree with all his off the, out of the octagon moments, but the guy is the greatest of all time in my opinion. Um, the only loss we've ever seen him take was a DQ that was for down elbows, and even the guy he beat admitted he kicked his ass. So I, I don't think that Stepe stands a chance against John Jones. I mean, I guess you have a puncher's chance, but I would love to see it. I want John Jones back in the UFC.
0: So it's, it's like when the Yankees are good in baseball, it seems like the sport thrives a little bit when John Jones is, is in UFC and he's fighting, it seems like the, the cards are better. Like he brings something to it. Now, my, my only concern with Stipe is he's not like this outlandish character and he's not typically a guy that's going to draw big money. Um, but does John Jones bring a little character out of Stipe, Jim?
1: No, I don't think so. It's like you said, it's not really his personality. And I think those characters are needed. Whether you're talking about a McGregor or a Masvidal or a Diaz, like you said, guys, that you either love them or you can't stand them. And those are the guys, to me, that draw the most attention. And that's why John Bones Jones, like Randy's saying, is you know people will tune in whether you love him or not, because I mean, he draws in the crowd. And so I feel like CPA's missing that. But um I definitely think that he could maybe get a little riled up just because, you know, John's gonna drive him there. He's gonna talk that smack.
0: So as we're tying in all these sports, Greg Hardy, he's back in the octagon in October, guys. He's six and two. He's he's gonna
1: gonna do his thing. So I, I just want to know when Tom guy. Hardy's. I just want to know when Tom Hardy's getting in the ring. You know what I'm saying? Me and Randy are all in then. Hey, Amen. Depends on what Tom Hardy you get. You might get the in shape version or the out of shape version.
0: So
2: I'll take either version.
0: <laughs> man, y'all sweat that dude, Jim.
1: Jim sweats DC and Hardy. Like
0: that's... I gotta,
1: I gotta kick the DC thing now. I mean, I live in Rockville, in distance, Hernando. My kid goes there. I've, you know, I actually gotta let that go.
2: Hey, but we talked about October, man. The the There's a, there's a huge, huge fight before Greg Hardy. Israel, Adesanya, Paula Costa. We talk about the guys that are doing all of the mega fights. That, at the 185 division, that's a mega fight. You know, Adesanya, to me, ever since I've been watching him, he reminds me so much of Anderson Silva, even though he did beat the shit out of Anderson Silva. But, I mean, you're talking about Anderson Silva not being in his prime. The... These two guys are 32-0 and combined record. They both talk shit. They both have flair. I can't wait. I don't usually – I used to buy every UFC fight because there was like one every couple months. Now there's like one every fucking week. But – and I don't have Jim's money. But what I'm going to do, I tell you this September 19th, it's worth the investment. I'm going to buy it because I want to see – I'm going to watch all the hype leading up to it because nobody – Dana White said it himself, this would be the fight of the year. And I agree. You got a guy – and Costa, that is absolutely pushes the pressure. He puts the pressure on you. And Adesanya, he is a counterpuncher. So just to see those two styles go at each other, and once those dudes get to throw in them hands, it's going to be a sight to see. And I think that that's what we're going to see. I like to see him jacking. I don't want to see him on the ground the whole time. I mean, that's beautiful to see sometimes,
0: but I'm ready to see it, guys, September 19th. I mean, they're both undefeated. Somebody hopefully is walking away with a loss. Um...
2: Costa said he ain't shaking no
0: fucking hands. See that, that's, that's what it's about right there. Like I, to me, I don't know, like I can't put myself in a mindset to beat the hell out of somebody. And then within seconds, just turn it off and just shake their hand. Like I get the competitive aspect to it, but like, we're talking about hand to hand, like it's, I mean, I hate to say it. It's almost like you put yourself in a life or death situation for those, for for that amount of time, like that's, that's crazy. But I guess if you're a professional, you can do that. But, and dude, I, go on, Costa, go on with your bad self then. But um, I, I hate to to even bring it up, but we we got to talk college football. What, what the hell is going on, Jim? Like, there's so many mixed messages. There's, some conferences playing. SEC was now has a schedule out, the Big Ten has shut things down. Like, I don't know what to believe or what to think anymore. Please please help, like, clarify some stuff for me.
1: I mean, yeah, the SEC's playing. I was actually looking at the LSU schedule. But before I get to that, like, I mean, you look at what Justin Fields is saying at Ohio State, and then, you know, we like to follow what's going on Twitter. The Big Ten's got an issue on our hands because – These players are filing grievances. They want to play. And I go back to what Trevor Lawrence said, and they're going to be able to keep you in a better spot there on campus and in their facilities as far as contracting the virus than you will be at home. So I really don't – I don't understand why they jumped the gun on canceling their seasons. I think the SEC is actually 100% going to play – and the Big 12 scenes they do. The ACC is the only one I don't know. But I feel like when your biggest player in the conference is, is outspoken like he is, that it's going to happen. So, I, th- I think football is going to happen. Not to mention, the governors of the southern states are all pro it. And, you know, that's something I'm not even going to get into this, but I do want to say this uh, just for information standpoint. They showed a graphic, and basically, any governor that's Republican is pro college football across the board. Well, I
0: mean that's they're they're pro getting back to normalcy as well. I mean that's school based, institution based. They want people back at work, and um, they want a sense of normalcy. But Randy, I mean we're it seems like we're gonna have some some type of football some type of conference what is what does it look like I mean we're looking at 10 game 10 game season nothing but conferences or or what do what rectify this issue for me because I can't I can't picture it I just don't know (laughs) well you know the SEC
2: brought out their schedule and you know obviously I, I peeked over at Tennessee's and it's just so weird you know they start with South Carolina and end with Florida. It's just it's, – it's, it's really weird. Uh, you know, what it looks like is is limited capacity. You're talking, you know, 60,000-seat stadiums only holding 4,500. And then after you give them the, the players, their family gets to come in, then the coach's family, then the students, and then some season ticket holders. I mean, what's left for season ticket holders? Like 1,000, 2,000? I mean, I just think that it's going to look a lot like the Larry Porter days of the University of Memphis. <laughs>
0: Oh, Lord. But the, the product on the field hopefully will be vastly improved. Join the revolution.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you this. I don't care if there are 6,000 people in attendance or not. Um, as much as we've been having these Mississippi State alum on here, we've been talking to these guys, and you know I've been trying to give some love to their college. I even did a shout-out first game of season, September 26th, in Death Valley. I don't care if there's five people in attendance. LSU six and the piss on state.
0: Well, one team y'all ought to be afraid of is Auburn. They had 34 positive COVID tests uh, so far. So I think their their plan is to have everyone test positive like very early and then they don't have to worry about it anymore and they'll be good for the rest of the season. Hey, real
2: quick, real quick. I just saw something today that there were 312 – transfers in the transfer portal and only one of them was denied their transfer Cade Mays transferring from Georgia to Tennessee so the NCAA once again dropped the fucking ball in a long litany of mistakes they are supposed to get a one-time transfer the guy's a legacy his brothers at Tennessee his dad played there he shouldn't have picked Georgia to begin with I know what everybody's gonna say but 312 transfers and he's the only one that didn't get it come on get out of
0: here Kirby Smart well, I mean, they, they haven't started approving transfers for Memphis basketball. So,
1: like, they'll be on the no side. Just watch. <laughs> so, Daniel, let me ask you a question. As I'm looking at this schedule real quick, last thing on it, if I could tell you what is the worst two games back-to-back in the SEC and your LSU so you can't be one of the teams, what are they?
0: If I'm LSU, what's the worst two games that I want to play back-to-back? Yeah. I mean Bama and Georgia. Yeah, I mean I Florida. Definitely
1: no, it's Auburn and Bama back to back.
0: I mean, I was going to say Auburn but then I was sucked into something else. That <laughs> was for but a yeah. reason. But
1: yeah, I I don't know. It's it's hard that's, to say. That's terrible, man. That's Ooh.
0: Well, Bama is of
1: course the second team getting to be the beneficiary.
0: But but here's Here's the thing, though, too. Does Alabama play LSU and then Auburn?
1: I don't know. Before I get to that, while I'm researching it, can we talk about I, – I, you know what? You know, I've been on these conspiracy theories lately. We're going to talk about how they drew uh, Vanderbilt and – let's see. Was it Kentucky? Yeah, Vanderbilt and Kentucky for their East teams. They didn't get Georgia or Florida. That's, that's nice.
2: Well, I mean, they're... they're the defending national champions, bro. Nothing comes
1: easy. No, the LA, uh, so no, check it out. They got LSU and Kentucky back-to-back, homie. No, they always trying to serve them up. And you know what, Randy? F you for taking Zach Logan's side on Facebook.
2: Bro, I, di- I didn't – look, you know I don't want to take Alabama's side, but when I ran through, it was, it was like – I just had to. I just, I, just, I didn't I like, want to.
1: I like how he glossed over that you said we had a be- better, uh, better secondary because he actually had the audacity to try to argue that his safeties were better.
2: No, no, Mika's great, but no, as a whole, they're no, they're not better.
0: So y'all, y'all fighting people again on social
1: media? This I time brought, we were we
2: were together
0: though.
1: I brought Randy I we in were. as a as a as a neutral judge because a Bama fan said he could take he could make a roster of Bama players in the NFL and I could make an LSU one and his would win. And Randy gave him the slight edge. He did say that he gave him the slight edge cause he went category to category, but this dude was adamant that their DBs were better. And I just, I'll never argue that there's not it's a waste of time. Uh,
0: you, you're also notorious for, just throwing people into a social media post by just tagging them, being like, "Hey, ask my boy Randy Jowers." He'll Randy, will,
1: Randy, will do the same thing to me. Oh, it goes both ways, homie.
0: So, Randy, uh, a big, big land. You know, as we shift to, to basketball, college basketball, a big recruit land for your boy Rick Barnes and and the Volunteers. Um, how big is that? You know, it's huge.
2: It's just it, it solidifies the momentum that Rick Barnes has been having the last couple of years. You know, it's something that Bruce Pearl did for a while. He got some uh four and five stars, but Rick Barnes has really been on a roll and getting a guy like Kennedy Chandler out of a city like Memphis, and I heard all the pundits, you know, oh Penny didn't go after him, oh Memphis didn't want him. Come on, man. You you, you don't want a five star point guard on your team, bro? Come on. But you know, what it really means for Kennedy Chandler, and he talked about it, is that he's going to recruit other guys that are the best at their position. You know, he's going to go after Jabari. He's going to go after Paulo Banchero. I mean, that's what it can mean. This could be a domino effect. Uh, Rick Barnes had a top-five recruiting class last year, and if he can land Kennedy and these other two guys, he'll have another top-five class, maybe top-three class, going into the next year. So, for everybody that when Rick Barnes left tennis, left Texas said he's just going to Tennessee and – he reached out to Tennessee about the job, which was kind of crazy. A guy with that track record, a guy that's done as much as he's done in the game to really have to ask for a job. And everybody said, oh, he's just going there to retire. He's proven everybody wrong. Uh, he Even when he had a team that he built up with Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield and those guys, I mean, the dude harbors he coaches talent up. He's coached some of the greatest ever. Kevin Durant, TJ Ford, DJ Augustine. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think he's doing the same thing at Tennessee. I'm proud to have that dude as a basketball coach of my kids.
0: So, Jim, let me ask you, does does Memphis have anything to be worried about? They lose one recruit. I mean, I, I it's one recruit of many that could have been had. But the one big thing that I look at is – Penny has prided himself on saying he's going to fence in the Memphis area. And he, he let, I mean, arguably one of the best players in the city get out. Um, so should, should Memphis fans be worried about that?
1: No, I don't think they should be worried. I think to Randy's point, I think this says more about Tennessee than it does Memphis. Cause you got to remember Memphis was actually number four on his list. This says a lot about Tennessee because he was going to Duke and so, if Rick Barnes is able to get him to come to Tennessee over going to see Coach K at Duke, that's really saying something about the way that program's uh, moving and, and what he is – he's out there selling. for Memphis, think about it, man. Did we actually think we were going to get Musa? No. We thought he was – it was foregone he was going to LSU. Um, we've made multiple other signings since then. I think Penny, especially in light of losing Mike Miller, is doing just fine. That would be my only concern still going forward with Memphis is I still want to know just as much as you do. You ask more than I do. Who's taking that seat? Other than that, I feel like they're doing just fine and they shouldn't be concerned about anything. I agree. I mean,
0: I I think the, the benefit here of COVID for basketball is that the practices have been light and there hasn't been a lot of team stuff. So Penny can solely focus up until now just recruiting. And when Penny Hardaway comes to your house, like, I, I'm pretty sure it's very hard to say no. Like, I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. I couldn't say no to him.
2: Well, ask Kennedy Chandler. <laughs> but too soon, deep. too soon. <laughs> yes, Penny Hardaway, he offered him.
0: But was it was it more the fact that – Oh, boy, he's been reading the blogs. No. Nah. I want then. Then I'll hold. I'll hold off on my my judgment. I I don't know Kennedy Chandler's like how good he is. You guys do. You might have seen him, but I can only go off of what other people say, and they say that he is extremely talented. But when you say extremely talented, Memphis is currently bringing in and signing extremely talented people, so. Is it something that Penny was like, you know, if he picks us, it's a bonus. If not, then
1: I'll just continue to get extremely talented people for my system. Well, they said in those underground games that are taking place, notice that the headlines kept talking about on the radio that they were putting in pitches. You know, remember I even said that Ja was even helping pitch to Musa. Kennedy was playing in those games, and they never said they were saying – yeah, they never said that they were saying anything to him. I don't think Memphis – it may have been on his top five list, but, Randy, would you not agree? I don't even think it was ever an option.
2: It was never an option for him, but Ja was recruiting for Kennedy Chandler. He said, "Dude's cold. So, this is the thing. I love Penny. Penny's, like, my idol of all idols. But I think that as we, eventually, even though he's our idol, we got to give him some due criticism, too. There's some things you can't let that five-star kid get out of your city. You just can't. Not to your rival. Not to your cross-state rival, because – now Rick Barnes on top of he's got a top five recruiting class that's gonna play this year, and then he's gonna follow that up again. And and you can't finish behind Tennessee. Memphis is a basketball school. You cannot do that.
0: I I agree. I I am I'm a little I'm not so much worried about the, the upcoming season, but I it bothers me to an extent that if we let one get away, what does that mean the following year when we're doing recruits for two years from now? Like one one of the biggest recruits in your city getting away makes a difference. Like you, you gotta lock that down. And if you're Penny Hardaway and you are the king of the city, like that's where your bread and butter, that's why you were hired is to recruit and keep the talent in the city and bring them to the school. So. You know, I'll, 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 it'll be interesting to see how how that progresses. I'm hopeful that he'll continue to sign some some big time recruits, but um, you know, it's it's almost time for those guys to wrap up that recruiting, you know, and start focusing on basketball stuff. So that'll be fun, um, guys. Let's let's bring this thing home. Let's let's go around the horn here. Um, I'll start with you, Randy. What's one thing the audience needs to know before you go?
2: I've mentioned this a few times, the disruptors of the market, and I want to highlight a few things. Since the pandemic, people that have had a significant net increase in their worth, one that's easy is Jeff Bezos, plus $76 billion. Elon Musk, plus $43 billion. Mark Zuckerberg, plus $42 billion. Bill Gates, plus $16 billion. Steve Ballmer plus 18 billion, Warren Buffett and Larry Ellison both plus 12 billion. So just there are people out here getting rich off this pandemic, and I don't even mean that in a political way, even though Bill Gates. But I ain't talking about that. But shout out to those dudes for getting the bag.
0: Jim, I know you're watching the the Democratic National Convention over there. So tell me, tell the audience what's one thing they need to know before you go.
1: Man, I ain't never watched any of that on TV. You know me better than that. No. So I mentioned getting back into church yesterday. They opened the doors. I mentioned going on the school grounds. And, you know, me and Randy and you have talked adamantly about mental health. And I could not have been more excited. Randy, I hadn't even got to tell you this yet. Uh, shame on me for not even bringing it up. But they actually, the pastor went into that through through what we're going through right now. He actually hit the topic with mental health, and he even talked about, you know, for those who say, you know, relying on God or, you know, whatever your religious preferences, any of them, um, as a crutch, right? And he said, you know, when you think about an injury, you use that crutch to help and support you. You need that to, to stay afloat. And so I thought it was interesting that he was talking about through these times, whether you're talking about job loss illness, you know, whatever the case may be, that you do need that crutch and you do need something to lean on. You need people to lean on. And so it was really good that he hammered on mental health because we've talked about it so much. And I think through this time and the numbers that we have put out in all these episodes on the Around the Horn segment that, you know, we focus on leaning into friends, family, religion, whatever the case may be for, you know, your specific preference and continue to build on mental health.
0: All right. So for me around the horn, the one thing the audience needs to know before I go is Alex Smith. I talked about him previously. He's back on the field, man. 17 surgeries. He almost died, almost had his leg amputated and the dude is suiting up doing football drills. Like shout out to Alex Smith, man. That's, that's, that's good shit, man. Good shit. I'm I'm happy for him. Like that's, you know, what it's all about. He gets his dream taken away, but then he's able to persevere and fight back. So I know, Jim. I think you and Randy both can appreciate that, right? Yeah. Did you hear about the parallels
1: between him and Joe Theismann? Oh, I'm sure it's it's super similar. I mean, I don't no. know really the no, aftermath. They, but... Not only did they have the same injury, but it occurred on the same date and the score of the game was the exact same.
0: Hey, how anticlimactic
2: anticlimactic is it going to be when he's just holding a clipboard on the sidelines watching Dwayne Haskins run the team?
0: Hey, I mean, I think he would be happy just to hold a clipboard at this point because if you would have asked him a year ago if he was going to be – even remotely close to putting a helmet on or putting pads on, he probably would have said no. So, you know. Well, I, we discussed I'll, this already. We wouldn't play. Would you? I think you have to, man. Like, that's – you work your whole life for something, and you spend two years rehabbing to to get back, and now they're saying, all right, you can get back, and then you go, no, I'm good. <laughs> like, Ah. It's just I want to walk my injury. daughter
2: down the aisle.
0: I mean, that's a good point, but I mean, what's what are the odds that it would happen twice?
2: Pretty damn good when you got a 350 pound dude
1: laying on you. Hey,
0: maybe maybe not. I mean,
1: oh, I forgot there was another parallel. Shame on me. Oh, they both got hurt by a uh, three time three time defensive player of the year. One was LT, the other one was JJ Watt. There was a there was another parallel.
2: Did JJ Watt cry? I don't know. The only crazy people cry when they do something like that. I mean, snap Joe Thaisman's leg in half,
1: and, I mean, they cry. said LT did drugs before the game, so
2: duh. Looking at his eyes, he was so coked out.
1: Yeah, he he was. He, was, song, he made song.
2: John Jones look innocent. <laughs>
0: All right, guys, man. We had a we had a good time tonight, man. Good insight, good conversation. We got to speak some headlines. But most importantly, we had a, a huge, huge guest, the biggest guest and podcast this week. I want to thank Brady Tigert for joining us. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a chance to speak to him in the future. Maybe, you know, talk to him about the Lewisburg beating D.C. and his journey possibly to the draft or, you know, to uh, To the University of Arkansas. If you like hearing us average Joes talking X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. Please check out our new website. We'll see everyone next week for episode 20, where we're going to have Case Johnson, the TMG 2021 prep star, talking about his potential for the NBA, his potential for college, and what that journey is going to look like. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We out.